Hi guys, Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. And for those who have not heard, that is the new Tell Craig Your Story podcast theme song. I want to thank Gene Mansour and the guys from the band Out of Control for putting that together. Thank you very much. It's kicking ass. I really, really appreciate uh, their time and effort for putting that together. Now, today's guest, we have Susie Turner. Susie is from Northern Ireland. She is a therapist coach, like a motivational coach for, for women. And she's also a speech therapist. And she's also a qualified fitness instructor. Uh, here we talk about her struggles. It wasn't all roses. And her amazing comeback from weight loss, from... Uh, losing money. It's an amazing, inspiring story. And her goal for the future is to help 100,000 women in this period for her therapy coaching. So good luck with that, Susie. But before we go, please go to our website. We are on Podbean. Tell Craig your story at podbean.com. We are on all the social medias. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We also have a YouTube channel there at Tell Craig Your Story. And we also have a link tree there which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. We are on all the major podcast streaming websites Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, to name a few. All right, here we go. This is my chat with Susie on Tell Craig Your Story podcast. Hi, Susie. How are you going today? Hi, Craig. I'm doing very well. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, good. We've had a bit of uh, technical difficulties along the way, but now now we're all ready to go. Uh, thank you very much uh, for, for joining the podcast today. My question is, how, how are you going in the pandemic? Are your family staying safe? And uh, for you, how, how has it sort of changed you? And you stay, yeah. Well, thank you for asking. My family are all keeping very well. My grandmother actually did have COVID. Um, there was an outbreak in her care home, but she has come through it and she has made a really good recovery. For the rest of the family are keeping well. The numbers have stayed pretty low in Northern Ireland. I think most people have been adhering to the guidelines and we are a smaller country. And then for myself, I've been working from home which I have absolutely loved and I don't intend yes. to do anything any different now. Yeah. Um, but it was an adjustment um, at the beginning, found it quite tough, but I've definitely acclimatised now. Um, and it's just a bit strange kind of that things are slightly relaxing. Yeah. What about yourself? It's been, been very interesting. I, I, as uh, some of my listeners know, that I, I was in Shanghai at the time and then when it, when it first out, when it, the outbreak first come, I come straight back to Australia. I'm the same with you. It's uh, very, it's not too bad here in Newcastle, uh, the city of Newcastle, but uh, Melbourne, unfortunately, has had a second outbreak and they've sort of been locked down. So, but I think besides that, I think the rest of the country uh, are doing okay. But um, yeah, my my work is online, so being uh, a blessing in disguise actually i've worked harder in this period than i have 
normally. So um, that's right. So is this the first time it's happened with you as well? Is like working online? So I was transitioning towards moving online primarily anyway um but kind of ramped that up a little bit yeah (laughs) yeah so it's been it's been a kind of a a nice transition into it that's worked well for me uh yeah yeah i always think like why didn't we do this before like uh why did it take a pandemic to sort of realize that we should be doing this all online right no definitely 100 (laughs) percent yeah so, Susie, you've had a, a, a very, very inspiring career, and I'm very, very excited to sort of uh, tell, you know, but it, it hasn't been all roses. You know, there's been some, you know, ups and downs along the way. You are a, a therapist, a, a coach therapist, and you're also a business owner. Are you still doing the speech therapy? So I am still um certified as a speech and language therapist uh but i am slowly closing that practice down now so i just actually have one remaining client uh, right and when my um, registration comes up for renewal i'm I'm not going to be continuing along that line of work i have absolutely loved it um, Hmm. and it has set a very good basis for for this just really wonderful career that i've had over the last few years but it has been a stepping stone to something I feel is more aligned with me now. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so not really doing speech therapy very much anymore. Um, building the therapy practice. Right. So I have been doing therapy and coaching. Um, I am also um, about two weeks away from fully qualifying in rapid transformational therapy. Um, which is like hybrid therapy combining um it's sort of based on neuroscience. It was uh, founded by a woman called Marissa Peer, and um, it has incorporates principles of hypnotherapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, neurolinguistic programming, um, it's psychotherapy. So it's it's a fabulous approach. Um, I'm getting really good um, results with my sort of beta testers that I've been taking through that at the moment as well. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, for a number of years, I was the lead allied health professional on a service for young people with an acquired brain injury. So I um, was the lead in Northern Ireland. So I would have gone around people's homes and worked primarily with the young person on their psychological adjustment to their injury and um, oh. helping them with mood management, helping them with memory strategies and um supporting them to make friendships and things like that so it's been really rewarding too um and it really kind of just showed me that 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 more psychology based role is just so much more me (laughs) definitely so let's go back just a little bit you were saying about the speech therapy how did you get involved with that was that something that you, you developed from after your study or was it just something that you fell into so I originally started off doing an English degree um, because I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up when I left school. So I just, right. mm, I'm already English, I'll just do an English degree. Um, <laughs> and then I was actually volunteering with a little lady who had had a stroke and I would go to her house every week and sort of help her 
um, with her mood and her confidence and we slowly kind of worked on getting her to come out of the house and go for coffee and then within a year she had got her first passport and took taken her first holiday she had barely left her house um, so that was just wonderful and during the English degree we had um, a module or like we had a lecture where they talked about brain injury and um, stroke and then the impact of this on communication and on mood and I was like well that's far more interesting than poetry um, <laughs> so, <laughs> and I knew that I loved working with people and from working with this little woman I was just like yeah no that's like I need to know more about this and I'm very much I follow my my instinct when when I really am passionate about something I'll just go for it um, yes. so I then found the course that I wanted to do so it was a four-year uh, Bachelor of Medical Science degree in Sheffield in England so I had to wait for the following year to apply so while I took that gap year I volunteered two days a week as a classroom assistant in a special needs school um, I took um, the summer and moved to Spain and did a beginner mm. Spanish course up in the mountains just just for the fun of it. <laughs> wow. But it was also quite eye-opening because I suppose my logic was I'm gonna I wanna be helping people to communicate. I want to empower people to be able to make their needs known to just engage with life. So actually by me going to Spain and where no where I was, nobody spoke English, it really it really opened up my empathy and my understanding of how difficult that is. So that was that was fascinating. And then, yeah, the four year degree, which qualified me as a speech therapist as well. But the course was very broad. So it was neuroscience, uh, biomedical sciences, uh, counselling, de- human development. Um, we did human dissection. There was just a whole lot of things, psychology um, modules. So it was a really, really broad course. Um, yes. linguistics and stuff as well so it was fabulous and then when I came back to Northern Ireland um, there wasn't really any speech therapy jobs going really? um, yeah so the way it works over here is there's a waiting list system so you apply once a year to go on a waiting list and if a job comes up based on your rank on the waiting list you'll get a job so I did get offered one but it was two days a week part-time maternity cover for a couple of months and it was like the other side of Northern Ireland and I would have had to have given up a full-time job to do it right so I was like this isn't really gonna work um but I am not one to be easily defeated so if there's an obstacle I'll try and find a way around it um (laughs) so I, I contacted our Royal College of Speech Therapists, our Health Health and Care Professions Council, who would be our governing bodies. And I ended up being the first person in Northern Ireland to set up an independent practice as a newly qualified. Um, so I had to then pay for like supervision. And within eight months, I got my full certification, my full membership and built my little speech therapy practice. So I did that for a little while and I was enjoying it, um, but I hadn't taken it full time. And an opportunity then came up for the charity, which is the charity that I had volunteered with all those years ago with the little lady. 
and um, so everything kind of came full circle. So I then took that role there as the the allied health professional and working with the young people. And I've kept the speech therapy on the side. And then over the last year or so, I really have been pursuing the coaching and kind of taking all of my knowledge and experience and personal growth and clinical experience and trying to help other people to to grow and overcome obstacles absolutely that's so cool and and i can just tell it in your voice and i can just tell how passionate you are and uh, and how you you want to you know give your experiences and tell you know and give it to other people i think that's really really uh very very inspiring so let's go back a little bit you're talking about your two uh, was it two years how long were you in spain for oh just two months it was just for the two summer. months just two right months. so so tell us about you know living in another country it's always like a a different experience but like i always i have some irish friends and they always they just say oh what are you going to do for the weekend oh I booked a flight to go to spain for the weekend and it's like Damn you! (laughs) You could just get on a flight and go go to Spain for the weekend. So tell us about that experience. What was it like? Yeah. So it was it was it was a wonderful experience. I really cherished that experience. Um, I went with uh, an ex partner, and um, we so we got a lovely little apartment. Um, and it happened just by pure fluke. It was two doors down from the university. Uh-huh. Um, and um it was just such a lovely experience so I was in class five days a week um but it was just it was a place called Rhonda up in the mountains and it was absolutely gorgeous um just the pace of life there was like they still had siestas so which is something uh. I am just so not used to um, <laughs> quite a busy like on the go kind of person so actually having that kind of permission to just chill a little bit in the afternoon yes. it was really really nice but you know the best thing that came out of it was in my class I was the only native English speaking person and yeah we were all able to go out for drinks every Friday you know we were able to like cobble together like bits of bits of Spanish bits of English little bits of other people's um, languages and still make these really good friendships um so it was lovely and like the lecturers would come out with us too it was great it was just it was just a really lovely different experience yes. and obviously I was learning too so I was doing a bit of study in the daytime and then being able to go to the shop in the evening and and try and like practice what I learned which was really yes. good I have noticed I mean it that was so that would have been 2011 so my wow. Spanish is definitely not. I was just about was. to ask you that. Please don't make me speak Spanish. I can understand it a lot better than I can can speak it. My comprehension would still be fairly strong, but my spoken isn't isn't brilliant. Um, yes. I do actually have a Spanish neighbour though, so I have been trying right. to kind of jog my memory again that's what it's all about if you're not practicing you may as forget it you know you just 
it's just impossible to um i'm still trying to learn chinese i'm terrible at it my mandarin and it's one of the hardest languages <laughs> oh craig you've lived there for four years you know you shouldn't you be fluent and it's like no <laughs> no definitely not i've also seen that you've been to australia right I think that might have been 2012. Yes, I've been to Australia. Right. So Well, lucky uh, girl. So 2011, you got uh, Spain and 12, Australia. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How did that all come about? So we, again, went, went with, with an ex-partner. Mm. And we mm. went to Sydney. We went to um, the Gold Coast and... Um, we went up, we were going to go to um, Fraser Island, but when mm -hmm. we were staying at Rainbow Beach, um, there was like a storm. The, one, the year I went was the coldest winter in 30 years. And <laughs> I, I was determined I was going to get a tan. So I was walking around <laughs> in my shorts and my t-shirt and everybody else has like scarves on. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. And I had to buy a hoodie at Taronga Zoo because it was so cold. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you when know what? What Sorry. season did you come in? What season did you come in? Uh, July. No, June, oh, oh, oh. June, July. That's, so it was. That's our winter. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, yeah. yeah. But but uh, but for for Northern Ireland, I mean, that's a a summer's day. You should be in a t-shirt and shorts, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. That's what I, that's what I was doing anyway. But, <laughs> that's yeah. it. Um. So no, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Um. I would love to come back again. It's another it's just I didn't see enough I think you know I yes. went I, I think I was there for six or seven weeks which really wasn't enough to kind of see everything people don't realize how big the country is it's huge it's uh, like it, to go from city to the major city to city is taking such a long time to do yeah. have you been anywhere else like it seems like you've been a bit of a traveler in in your time and it's great to see and great to yeah. open sort of let your eyes up as well you know seeing all different cultures and and, and lifestyles so what's one of the what's one of the places that you've seen you've just gone wow Greece really I we I went to yeah. um Zakynthos or Zanti people call it it must have been two or three years ago and we went to a place called the Shipwreck Beach and it is just unbelievable the water I've never seen water that color before in my life <laughs> um uh, we got a boat trip out so you can't get you have to go to this private cove you can only get to it by boat and then there's a big shipwreck um, yes. It was wonderful. It was absolutely stunning. And I've always found, like, I've been to Greece a couple of times in my life, and I've always found that the Greek people are so polite and so lovely. And re yes. I love that when you go places and people actually really want to talk to you. And, you know, yes. I just, yeah, that's, I love that. So, Greece. And then last year I was in Croatia, Madrid, and then Barcelona. Went to Barcelona for um, a thing called the International Fitness Summit, um, right. which is really good. So now, I do believe, now, now sorry, sorry to cut you off there, I do believe that you have like a certificate in fitness as well, is that true? Yes, so I um, just for sort of a hobby last year as well, um, did my fitness instructing um, and I have I was going to I have the, the the information to do my level three personal training but it hasn't been a priority this year so I haven't really pursued that but I had um lost a lot of weight a few years ago and 
never had any kind of interest in fitness growing up was always kind of the chubby kid and the, the <laughs> one, like would try and get a note to get out of going to PE and, <laughs> um then yeah when I was like 24 um really had this sort of lifestyle overhaul I would do the same thing but it wasn't because I was overweight <laughs> I just didn't want to do it in school you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so over the last few years then I was like oh, this is just an area that you know it always seemed so unattainable to me and so just like oh no what like that's not the kind of thing I could ever do so um I was like no actually do you know what like this is something I'm really interested in and um I love learning if you haven't really picked that up already like I just <laughs> love learning so many different things uh, Susie that's what it's all life is all about le- learning things and trying new things and you know it's just in my opinion that's what life is all about you know yeah. it is doing that I want to. I want to talk to. Let's go back, uh, way back to the start. You know, you grew up in Northern England. Where you grew up in Belfast, is that right? I'm assuming. Yeah. So originally lived right up the north coast of Northern Ireland in a place called Larne, which is about forty minutes away from Belfast. Um, right. So lived there when I was younger with my with my mum and my dad, and then um, there was some sort of there was domestic. Uh, violence um, in the house and my dad then left when I was around four years old um, mm. so it was that myself and my mum um, and my mum is amazing um, yeah. she is, <laughs> she's just my rock um, yeah. so she she was a, a doctor she is a doctor but she was working sort of three jobs when I was little so She'd have worked her main job in the hospital and then she would have been on call for a nursing hospital um, the evenings and weekends one week. And then the other w- week she would have been on call as a forensic medical officer for the police. So wow. I grew up between... Smart girl as well. <laughs> oh, she's amazing. Um, yeah. So I grew up in, in the police station and in... Right in the nursing hospital as well so I would sit and talk to all the wee old people in the nursing hospital I just loved it and then when I would go with her to the police station I would just sort of they definitely wouldn't let you do this now I was just like sitting there listening to all the stories and Mm. um, people getting booked in and then there's just this little blonde child like peeping (laughs) through a window like smiling at them um so yeah um and then when I was around five years old my grandmother and my cousin moved in with us um my cousin's mum had sadly passed away and so my mum took her in too so for all intents and purposes she is my sister uh so she's, she's my cousin but she's my sister and um, she has two little boys now and I would say oh, that I'm their auntie. That's um, great. Yeah, so very close. Um, and then my mum got married when I was 10 and we moved a bit closer to Belfast then. Um, was, it, was, it, was it different from going from, from the, a small town to, to Belfast? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we actually moved out to the countryside. So we went from the, oh. a small town out into like there's just fields um it was a big change for me um because I love the seaside like I'm my heart's just by the by the coast 
so that was grand. Um, we moved up here. I'd struggled quite a bit in my, in my teenage years. Um, I have to say, like my, just there was a couple of difficult things that sort of happened over the years. I was quite an angry teenager by the time I was sort of fifteen or sixteen. Um, bit of a rebel. Bit of a rebel. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just didn't really know how to channel my emotions. But I would have on the like on the surface, absolute perfectionist, high achiever. Yeah. You know, always so had. You, sorry. So, uh, sorry, uh, I was I was reading that. Um, at the start, you were a bit of a shy, shy person as well. Is that true? Yeah, I, I think I. Well, I, I'm definitely an introvert. I definitely like a lot of alone time and to just sort of spend time in my own head and kind of like I find that one to one is ideal for me. Yes. Group situations I find quite overwhelming, um, and I would sort of need. A bit of downtime afterwards so like sometimes you know if we had lots of friends around at the weekend I almost need to like the Monday Tuesday to like kind of just feel centered again yes um, yes I I can't I'm can be quite I'd be more into myself but I I would be quite confident in speaking to people and in talking to new people yeah yeah, and I, you can see it now. <laughs> very, <laughs> yeah. very, very confident, just uh, talking. Um, so, and then you went to university. Did you get? Was it Belfast that you went to university? Yes. Yeah. So I went to um, Queen's University in Belfast, and so that's where I started the English degree. So I, I did just under a year of that degree, and then I was just working waitressing and odd jobs while while I was doing that so um that's do you remember much about that your study of English (laughs) do you know what not really (laughs) (laughs) I actually prefer non-fiction books Mm. so it's funny now when I look back and I'm like you don't even really like fiction so what were you doing but um, it just seemed like the logical next step because English was my best subject at school and Mm. It was. I think it was just like buffer time for me to try and figure things out. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and like everyone else is going to university, um, but no, it wasn't. The, that that degree wasn't for me. Um, but I still made some friends and all experience. And I, and I think too, like I think everybody goes through that sort of period. I mean, uh, the one that I, I I chose IT at the start, and end up doing that, and then you know. Uh, it just wasn't for me as well. Going through and just working it out yourself, what what, what you enjoy and what you think you're going to get out of it as well. So, and I really think that I I was quite lost when I was younger, and I really thought that I knew who I was or what I wanted, and it turns out that I really, really didn't. And um, I feel like only over maybe the last couple of years, I've kind of really stepped into kind of really knowing myself and and not always trying to bend to please everybody else or live up yes. to other people's expectations um so yeah I'm really glad that I've kind of taken this windy path yes so that's what that's what uh, I wanted to get through so when did you start doing this therapy coaching uh, motivating and 
is it just for women or are you just focusing on women at the moment or, or you know if if a man come up to you and said hey you know can you do what you do for the women uh, would you say no or go and see somebody else or ha- tell us about that i know there's a lot of questions there but no yeah, that's absolutely fine so um okay i'm gonna back up just a tiny bit that mm-hmm. a couple of years ago when i had had i basically well, let's- well, let, let's sorry. Let, let's go through some of the 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 down the down sort of periods to then go to the to, to this period. So, I have a list here, <laughs> uh, and um, you know, um, it's just one sort of bad thing after another, unfortunate thing. You know, and, and it, you're not the only one. Everybody goes through these tough periods and it's you as a person you know to decide whether you want to just whinge and complain for the rest of your life or you want to do something about it and change your life so okay your father passed away unfortunately it's terrible i was in an in uh injured in a car accident so so yes so when i was 20 22 or 23 can't fully remember now um myself and my ex well ex-husband um were both in a car accident from that i've ended up with arthritis in my spine um and it really was the catalyst for a bit of a breakdown really i um had post-traumatic stress disorder but i did have that in relation to things from childhood as well um, in terms of the the domestic violence and some of the psychological abuse and um, when the car accident it was almost like it was the final straw of <sighs> I've just lost control I've been trying to keep control you know I've been trying to you know keep control of my grades and everything else and I just was like that got taken away so not long after the car accident then still going to physiotherapy my husband come home one day and said, I've quit my job and I've booked the boat and I'm going back to Northern Ireland. So that oh, left dear. me on my own. So and where were you at the time? Uh, that, that was in one Sheffield. of the things. Oh, right. So I was living in England So for because um, we moved there in 2012. So just after Australia, right. I got married and then um, moved to Sheffield. So it was a four-year degree. So I was there from 2000. 12 to 2016 um so this happened 2013 14 um and yeah so the after he left the day after that we had got a car to replace the one that had been written off and it broke down on the dual carriageway it just stopped but i oh, dear. <laughs> um, oh, dear. it ended up it ended up being it had been sold to be under like false pretenses and it so I'd put like whatever remaining money I had towards it and basically it had to be scrapped for 300 pounds and it wasn't drivable and then the day after that my landlady came around and said oh they were putting the rent up in the whole building and then the house that I had I owned in Belfast um I had been renting it out to tenants and we'd had some really awful tenants in who had completely smashed the place up they had smashed tiles they'd ripped up carpets they had yeah. the house was meant to be non no pets and they let the dog go to the toilet all around the uh-huh. um, house there was cigarette butts everywhere there was coffee stains like on the roof 
And are, they, are they human beings or what? <laughs> I also, oh, yeah, so that was tough too. We didn't really get the compensation that we were meant to get. And there was just, I was kind of running out of any kind of energy to actually even focus or try and fix things. Mm. We ended up getting the house fixed up. Um, and then I got this lovely little couple had moved in for two days before somebody graffitied the front of the house to say locals only. Oh, they were no. an Indian couple and there's some horrible racist people. And I know and then the house was vacant for like eight months. So I wasn't getting the rent in, wasn't able to pay my bills. And it just felt like it was like one thing after the yeah. other. I was mm. having, I completely stopped sleeping. So I've, I've struggled yeah. with nice, all nice sleep, increased weight. Uh, yeah. binging and eating and drinking, oh, uh, yeah. panic attacks, uh, yeah. y- your marriage unfortunately ended as well. Yeah. So uh, this is just one hit after another. Yeah. So when was the time where it was like, you know what, because sure you would have grieved over, you know, but how long was the grieving time? And then when did you sort of realize that, it okay, I need to pick myself up and sort of if nobody else is going to help me I'm going to have to do it myself yeah so I suppose it kind of all of those things had happened and I remember I'd said to my mum like if one more thing goes wrong like that's it I I just cannot I cannot do this anymore and then my dad died um so that was right it was kind of the very final yes um stressor um and my family didn't actually tell me until after the funeral so we had been estranged but I had been trying to find him and they could they I was just in such a state that they were like I don't know if she's actually capable of knowing this right now so they told me a couple of days later I happened to be I had been out with friends the night before so I found out when I was hungover which was also delightful um (laughs) and then even worse uh, (laughs) um and then um I actually found out that I had older half sisters, younger half brothers. Oh, yeah. oh, uh, it was a whole like it opened a whole like Pandora's box. But it was also sometimes it felt really surreal. Sometimes I was like, is this actually real? <laughs> um, um and but then I still had a bit of like fight in me and I had gone to I'd actually remember one day. I had organized a, a bake sale for the Stroke Association and I had baked like because I was still trying to do things. I think I was still going to university. I'd, I'd, I'd missed a bit here and there um, and I had postponed some exams, but I was still so determined that I was going to complete uni. And I was running a stroke group for um, like people who'd had a stroke or Parkinson's. I was running this little communication group and it really kept me going. But I remember I did this, baked all these cupcakes and um, I went to go out the front door and I had such a panic attack that I couldn't actually leave the house. And I had to phone my friends and say, like, can you come and pick these up? Like, I, I think I've just I've hit the wall. Like, I'm I'm really yes. struggling. So I ended up I phoned one of my university lecturers that I got on with, got on with really well. She was so supportive and she was just like, you know, it's okay to cry and it's okay to kind of let all of this out and um so I ended up then um 
I got a referral in to see a, a psychologist for post-traumatic stress and to deal with the trauma. Yes. And within that, she did one kind of hypnosis session where it went back to like a scene in my childhood. And that was like the first relief I'd had in years. I just, I honestly felt like a new person. And then I went back for more kind of talking therapy and I just started to get my strength back. And I really kind of, it was almost, it was one of those things where I was like, right, I can either let this defeat me and then I'll have to, you know, live the rest of my life knowing that I gave up or I can absolutely grow through this. This I'm not the only person who had tough things happen. Like I was working obviously with people who had gone through things far more difficult than I had on a daily basis. So I was getting a lot of strength from their stories. Yeah, I, I remember it was the 15th of July, 2015. And I was like, I am going to, I'm going to start running. I'm going to, I'm going to get healthy. I was like, I, I was my, because my graduation was going to be the following year. I, my weight had ballooned to over 14 stone. Um, I was really just uncomfortable in my clothes it just felt really unhealthy I wasn't sleeping and I said right for my graduation I am going to feel confident in this dress and I was imagining myself walking on stage and all I wanted to lose was 20 pounds so I kind of had this plan I started the couch to 5k and I went out running the first day for like a minute and I was absolutely beat red and nearly coughed up a lung but I (laughs) I went out and I did it again the next day and when I started the running I found that it was actually then making me want to eat better because I was kind of like well what's the point in doing all this exercise if I'm just gonna eat it all back again and so I started eating healthier I started sleeping better um within five weeks I had lost the 20 pounds which I thought was going to take me the year I could run 5k within five or six weeks and then it just it was like a rocket had launched it was like it just ignited this spark and the ripple effect was you know I started losing weight I started getting stronger I started getting healthier happier sleeping better I wasn't as reactive to things I was really prioritizing things like self-care and meditation and even if I couldn't sleep it was like okay well I'm just gonna I'll just listen to music or I'll get up and read and things didn't seem just as intense it just felt like for so long everything was just like closing in on me and it was like it opened up so much space um within eight months I had lost 60 pounds that is amazing and then so I graduated then top of my year um, so I got a first class honours degree and on my graduation day I got my my degree but I also then got three university prizes so I got to walk wow. I got so that vision of me walking the stage actually happened like four times <laughs> <laughs> so and I was really confident in my dress and my family all came and then a couple of weeks later I ended up um, I got invited by Women's Health Magazine UK to London for a photo shoot. So they did like my before and after pictures and they did like a story about me. And because um, I had started 
documenting a little bit on my Instagram of my transformation. And when I had shared like one of my transformation pictures, it kind of it, it got a lot of attention. It was just Sorry, just just before before you before you go there, um, tell us your experience about the the whole photo shoot and the and the interview in the magazine. Oh, it was it was amazing. So <laughs> the guy who um who took my photos, he had photographed David Attenborough, um, oh, yeah, right. the weekend before. So oh. that had I was just I just found that absolutely amazing. Um, <laughs> but it was it was weird because, like. I'm not the girliest of girls, um, or I never really felt like the pretty girl. So it was, it was weird to have like all this attention and have people doing my makeup and my hair and like, because I didn't know how to pose. Like I obviously like I, I, I know how to take a photo, but I don't really know how to pose and like. I, but it was great. So we went to a few different locations. We went went around different gyms. They they let me wear all these like fancy clothes that I couldn't afford and um, it was it was just such a special day um they took us out for lunch um it was just it was really special and it was a real it was such a peak after such a low um so it was just and it was it was mad because that was within less than a year like that or well it was about a year from I went for the, the first run till I was in London on this all expenses paid trip, which was it's just phenomenal. Um and my family were so proud and and like what was really nice as well is a lot of people then started reaching out to me because what I kept saying was that yes, it was around the health and fitness, but that really came from the mindset work, the inner work I was doing, the healing, the traumas, that was what allowed that ripple effect you know when you heal that stuff that's when you can actually show up in all the other areas of your life um it's kind of the glue so that's when people kind of started looking to me for a bit more like advice around Mm. like mindset and overcoming obstacles and goal setting and so I kind of had a bit of an unofficial role as a motivational kind of speaker to friends and um i suppose some people on the internet uh, the power of instagram no oh sorry sorry um we'll, we'll talk about your instagram uh, a little later but um uh, ha- has anybody approached you or have you ever thought of maybe doing like a book uh, t- telling about your story i have thought about it nobody's approached me but i i i would it's all my list of things i think i would really like to do um it was actually only well, I thought about writing a book for a while, but it was more so this year that I was like, yeah, I could probably do with making this happen. I think um, it would be very, very good, very, very motivating and inspiring. And now that you've got your uh, your coaching as well, um, you go into your Instagram. Uh, you want to do a quick, what is your Instagram? So, oh, so, it's, so it's I am Susie Turner. Um, and, that's, and that's S-U-Z-I. Great. And... I just wanted to talk about that. Like uh, you can go on there and you can um, you can see all these uh, different sort of uh, philosophies and just talking about your experiences um, in, in that time. I wanted to talk about one of them about with your weight loss, um, and it was a good analogy of uh, Coca Cola. 
Now mm. I'm a I don't mind the drink of cola <laughs> as well. <laughs> you just talking a little bit about it. Can you just explain again um, uh, about that analogy of you know one glass of cola? Yeah, sure. So there are about 140 um, calories in a 330 ml can of Coca-Cola. So say, for example, you were to drink one can a day for five days a week. That's 700 calories a week. So over a month, that's 2,800 calories. Over a year, that's 33,600 calories and works out at roughly 240 cans of Coke over the year. So now it only takes 3,500 calories to put on a pound of fat. So 25 cans of Coke roughly equals one pound of weight gain. So you're drinking one can a day, five days a week over a year, that's roughly 9.6 pounds of fat you could put on. So the, the point of me kind of mentioning that was it's actually within our control to make big mm. changes in our lives by taking small, making small changes, so micro habits. So every time you then say, oh, no, no, thank you, I'll have water instead, you're actually taking a step in favour of your health or your goals or whatever it is. And so it doesn't have to be like massively complicated. You don't have to really overhaul your life. But if you continue, that's why people do tend to put more weight on each year when they don't change yes. things, because all it takes is 140 calories extra a day for you to it's start putting on 10 pounds a, month, a year. That's it. So, it's comfortable. You don't have to change anything. It's just, oh, just keep doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, and I really like that for my clients as well to keep things simple and that they can actually fit into their lives because I know that most people don't have, you know, lots of time in the mornings or the evenings or some people have children or they work crazy hours. So you have to be able to kind of slot self-care and health around your lifestyle. Um, And kind of I like to make it so that things can be easily integrated especially anchoring your routines and, um, you know, making sure if there's things you really want to get done, do them first thing in the morning before you kind of run out of steam the rest of the day. Um, Our willpower is like a muscle. It starts to fatigue at the end of the day. That's why it's harder to say no to biscuits. And that's why at the weekend, (laughs) it's harder to say no to the wine. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Uh. yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Yes. I think everybody has their little sweet tooths uh, here and there. <laughs> and it was interesting. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a guy who put out a book and he's done a thousand push ups. He does a thousand push ups a day. Ted Scup from the US. He's done 14 million, 14 million push ups. So if, if that's not motivating enough, <laughs> if he can do it, if he can do it for so many, so many years. Um, and still be able to do a thousand push-ups a day you can take away one one can of coke or a one bottle of wine <laughs> that's a lot easier i think than doing a thousand push-ups right yeah i was about to say that puts i did 10 this morning and that puts my 10 to shame but 10 still <laughs> <hurt than none. laughs> Come on, no, that's what he said you, you you do 10 today you do 11 tomorrow you know you've done one more than we did yesterday so sort of a little similar 
But uh, yeah, that's that's a great analogy, and I really like that. Um, I'm a Coke drinker myself, so um, I'm gonna keep an, uh, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Another thing that I was really interested uh, with with your therapy coaching as well is uh, your four S's: struggle, stress, strength, and success. So tell us about these four S's. So. I kind of like to think of the the first part of the journey is the struggle and the stress and where we're getting to is the strength and success but to get the strength and success you have to go through the struggle and stress it's like absolutely anything in life even if we're talking about exercise with you building muscle there really is no pain no gain but also in terms of um like emotional um, resilience and overcoming trauma there is a thing called post-traumatic growth and that people really do have um, the capacity to grow exponentially after experiencing hardships so I like to show people that you know you can experience um, real struggle and that that's part of the human condition too stress is something that you know is is always going to be there but we can learn how to get stronger through it and we can learn how to then you know cultivate that strength into our own version of success and I suppose success is quite a a broad word and I don't think it's it's Mm. not just around you know accolades and awards or finances but it's also about what success means to that individual so for me I'll have reached my peak success when I have my house overlooking the sea and I have my dog. <laughs> <That's> my, <laughs> that is, is my yeah. ultimate level. But beforehand, my first, you know, I, I was measuring like, okay, 20 pounds, that'll be a success. Obviously getting through all of those things, I've counted those as, as little successes as well. But I, when I'm working with clients, right? yeah, it's very much about what, what they want and what their goals are. Excellent. And I saw that your mission for the whole uh, uh, therapy coaching is, uh, in this period especially, uh, and it's a big number, uh, yeah. the mission is to support uh, 100,000 uh, people. How is that all going? And do you have like a story that uh, through your, your therapy and your coaching that, that, you know, has inspired you as well? Yeah, so I really want to support um a hundred thousand people and i'm gonna set a big goal i think it, yes it's a big it's a big goal but i've also done some big things that i never thought were going to be possible yes so yes. that has kind of expanded um my own belief in what is possible um the reason for i want to do it through the ripple effect of healing and empowerment and basically all my life i have grown up around really conscientious hard-working self-sacrificing women and and men but primarily like my little unit was primarily women and um i've seen how much they were able to give love support um forgiveness um and advice to other people but couldn't really give it to themselves and the majority of those women sort of headed on a route to burnout um and through the the like the professions I've had and the other um, professionals I've worked with 
I see that a lot of people are so caring, so compassionate, and they really want to give their best and be their best, but they really struggle to look after themselves in the process. And when that happens, the ripple effect is then negative to all the people that they were trying to support too, because if when you burn out and have to come out of work or you burn out and completely change careers, you know, that's not supporting the wider kind of numbers that you were actually wanting to support. So um, very much around helping people fill up their own cup. You know, you can't pour from an empty cup and the cliche around, you know, you have to put your own oxygen mask on before you help others. But it's true when we are operating from a place of us feeling more whole, more healed and being able to kind of sustain the support that we're giving to other people. Um, that's where that's where I come in. So I'm working primarily with women, but that is just at the moment. I am looking to expand some of my services out to to all people. You know, so it won't just be necessarily exclusively um, women, but it's just the program I have been developing at the start has been has been women to yeah, kind of sure. I suppose also to help me find my feet as well and my confidence and mm. um, sort of my niche, but. I have kind of had a few more requests from yes. um, from men recently, so I think it's something and, to to look into. And, and you know what? Uh, also, like like teenagers, I think that you would be the perfect person if the, you've lived that. You know, you've lived that going through that period. You know, the, the teenage period. So I think that you'd be the best person for it. Can we just stop there just for one second? Mm-hmm. Um, that is amazing, Susie. Thank you for that. So let's uh, start wrapping it up here. So um, for the people living here in Australia, especially the women that are listening or people that are interested, friends of friends, that, that want to get in contact with you, uh, what's the best way to get in contact with you? What's your social medias? Yes. So um, the best place to get me is Instagram for the moment. So um, at I am Susie Turner. So Susie is S-U-Z-I. I also have a website. So um, www.susieturner.com. I'm also on Facebook, also at I am Susie Turner. I um, will be showing up more on social media now. I have been really focusing more on the back end of the business and on my clients yes. recently. So my social media presence has been quite sparse, but it will be growing again. And um, yeah, so... I'm happy to chat if people want to you know send me a message that'd be brilliant you know my my inbox is always open um and even if somebody wanted to do arrange a quick chat you know that's they're always able to and you can even book in if you wanted to chat through my website as well i have an online scheduling system there so yeah and i also noticed that that you also have a newsletter as well that you can sign up to as well when you go onto the website so yeah yeah so every tuesday i would i send out a newsletter so just tangible and actionable advice and um, support and just sometimes little little insights about um, my life or kind of I know some of my clients are maybe going through some things I can kind of tailor some of the the support because it really resonates with everyone um, nice. and I do get a lot of messages back to say it feels like you were just writing that about me and, you know, <laughs> and so it's really like I've got this really lovely audience you know, really, it's really good, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I feel that you've got, like, we didn't really mention it, but uh, a good family and, and friend support around you as well, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. My, um, my mum and I are two peas in a pod. We are just absolute best <laughs> yes. friends. I've got my partner as well, close family. Yeah, so I'm very good friends. So, and actually, this over this last year or so, I really have made so many more friends from the online space so like one of my one of my closest friends now lives in new york which is amazing and and australia <laughs> <laughs> so i Good just i just love from it. australia <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah it's Good amazing day, <laughs> I'm not even gonna attempt the accent. <laughs> come on, come on, give us a good day, mate. Come on, good day, mate. Good day, mate. <laughs> 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 Terrible. Terrible. Like you're native. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. And finally, Susie, uh, what is what does the future hold uh, for for Susie Turner? Oh, I think the future is going to be. Big and bright. I um I think I will definitely write a book. Um, I would love to travel more. Yeah. Um, I would love to be able to grow my business and support more people. So maybe through online courses, and um, I want to release some meditations. And yeah, so. And we have your own, maybe. What was that? Oh, a podcast of my own, did you say? Uh, no, no, a family of your own. Fam- yes, eventually I would like a dog first. That is... <laughs> <laughs> a dog in the, in, in the sea, right? Yeah. Dog by the sea. Yeah. So that is that is the... Um... Priorities? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Awesome. That's great. Now to finish off, I, I just asked some, some random questions and we, we get off the topic and uh, we just uh, talk about just things in general. Just the first thing that comes into your mind. All right, Susie, uh, what are your top three uh, favorite musical artists? Oh, I like, well, my favorite song is the, um, Here I Go again by white snake because that's my granny's song come on <laughs> so um is a rocker is she <laughs> yeah oh yeah she's brilliant um she's 85 and just like loves her her rock music come on <laughs> and she's absolutely tiny and blonde and um just adorable <laughs> um, but uh yeah her son like my uncle is, a, is like a biker and has the long hair and the motorbike wears the leathers and stuff so oh. So who else? I like I really like like Adele and mm-hmm. Ed Sheeran as well. Just quite relaxing music, um, things like that. Yeah. Sporting teams. Do you have any uh, sporting teams that you follow or that you like? Um, I like watching the tennis, but in terms of teams, I am obligated to support Juventus because my partner supports Juventus in the football. <laughs> So, <laughs> not a bad so, team to follow they're, they're quite yeah. a good team <laughs> so in my kitchen we have a big like picture on the wall of all of the the kit over oh, the years wow. yeah so Juventus so I think the plan is maybe next year to go to Turin watch them play right so uh, besides tennis is there anything else that you any other sports that you'd like to do play I well I, I like not so much like team sports but I like 
going to the gym and running. Yeah, the gym probably more so for me now, but um, more of a, an antisocial exercise. <laughs> now, this is an interesting question because I know that we've had a couple of people that have actually been reality TV. But uh, do you like to watch reality TV shows? No, I don't really watch <laughs> a lot of TV. I'm with you there. I, I if it's if no, me, when I was younger, yes, um, oh. like when I was a teenager, like I would have watched like Big Brother and um, like the Kardashians and stuff, and then, but like no, I. I don't really watch TV. I would I far prefer podcasts, audiobooks, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. reading. So I, I tend to try and read at least one book a week, but also try and listen to an audiobook every week as well. So I'm trying to get two in. So that's just more of a, I just find that more interesting. All right. Your top three traveling destinations Australia. Ah. <laughs> you, you win. <laughs> Grace. Well, there's somewhere I've not been to, but I want to go to, is Iceland. Yes. That's um, what I was going to say next. <laughs> my middle name is Icelandic. It's Audur, A-U-D-U-R. So I, and I have been mistaken many times in my life as being from, like, Iceland. Or <laughs> um, So I would very much like to go. Right. And final question. Who is uh, your biggest hero? My mum. Oh, I was hoping you would say that. <laughs> that <laughs> she is. That's, yeah, 100%. That's, that's great. And if you had a second hero? My granny. Oh, the <laughs> rocker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Susie, uh, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for coming on the show truly inspiring story how you've come from bottomed yeah. out but you you worked super super hard to to get where you are at the moment i'm just really really happy for you that you you found happiness the, the future is very very bright you know i hope that people hear this and sort of you know, inspire them to do the same thing oh thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure not a worry susie thank you very much for your time and um Remember to come back to Australia. You're always welcome. And I had planned to go to uh, the UK and Europe this year. Unfortunately, I couldn't do it. So if I get over there, I will definitely look you up. Yes, 100%. Just let me know and uh, we'll, we'll catch time up. For a Guinness, time for a Guinness or something? It's always time for a Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Susie. Thank you for your time. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye.